This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And yours truly, Franklin David Proctor. Oh, and welcome, Franklin. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. Uh, (laughs) Charles to you. Oh, Charles, thank you very much, Mm -hmm. yes. Uh, And Grace in in the other room, of course. And uh, Grace is... um, the person who is producing. So yes. she, her, her voice will be the first you hear when you call these numbers. Here we go. For Toronto, 416-360-0740. Or and, and anywhere in the province, this is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, the diva of dirt is, <laughs> is, of course, with us as usual. And I was thinking another term we could call you, the goddess of gourds. Oh, goddess. Yeah, I, prefer, goddess of gourds. I prefer yeah. goddess of the garden, actually. Oh, goddess of the garden. Yes, right. yes. See, oh, well, okay. work on All right, it, yes. I'll work on and it. And, of course, work. I have my favorite sous chef alongside. Well, so thank yes. you, Frank. Ready to take on the world here, uh, or at least the GTA. Uh, <laughs> or anyone who wants to <laughs> yeah, call that's and right. take a little harassment from us. <laughs> uh, we can dish it up pretty good. We can. A couple know, of quick yeah, announcements. Nope. You go for uh, it. Okay, just quickly. Streetsville Horticultural Society Christmas Workshop. So this is actually a really good idea. Mm -hmm. It's this Thursday, December the 3rd, at the Streetsville Secondary School, which is at 72 Joymar Drive in the cafeteria at 7.30 p.m. This Christmas workshop is a time for the members and friends to prepare a creative centerpiece for the holiday season. Join in the experience for only $15. So obviously everything is is provided and you make some some cool centerpieces. Uh, If you need any more information, of course, go to the website. Remember, for any Hort Society doings and upcoming events, the website is www.gardenontario. So that's one word, Mm -hmm. gardenontario.org, O-R-G. From that website, you can go to any town, village, community, where there is a, right. a horticultural society, yeah. click on that and get the get the goods on what's going on there. Now, what's the average cost of joining a hort society? Oh, gosh. You know, 10 bucks? You, or, yeah, it's, you I know. think for individual members, it's probably yeah. on average $15, and for families, 25 Wow, that's pretty darn good. Oh, it's amazing. It's such a great opportunity, yeah. too. And it's funny you ask that, because it's one of the, the little, um, I call them vignettes, or, or one of the little stories that mm-hmm. I'm telling this week on radio is, is about why it's so important important to support and get involved in your local horse society. Well, you got to meet some great people. Oh, the gardeners are the friendliest people. Yeah. You can't well, go wrong. Well, exactly. I, I look at you and I laugh. <laughs> we won't get into why. Okay. You think All my right. pajamas are funny today, do you? <laughs> okay, remember as well, I did mention this last week, 
If you'd like to know the latest word on rose growing, yep. the Huronia Rose Society presents Mark DeZero on this Monday, day after tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. at the Barry Public Library. Uh, Mark comes all the way from Brantford, but he grows lots and lots of roses in Brantford, so he knows a lot about it. Uh, the presentation, of course, is followed by the usual Q's and A's, refreshments, because uh-huh. there you go. You always, yeah. you know, gardeners, they eat a lot, too. They talk, <laughs> they eat, they laugh. They're good people. Uh, and there are lucky draws as well. The public, of course, is welcome. You know, I've got one little announcement mm-hmm. I'd like to quickly make. Uh, tomorrow, very special day for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Di and I will be driving from uh, St. Catharines. Uh, well, we're actually going to uh, to a Saint, um, Kitchener, Waterloo tonight mm-hmm. to stay over at uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's because tomorrow, Lloyd Nyland, my father-in-law, is uh, going to be celebrating his 95th birthday. They actually happened in the summer, but we couldn't organize everything in time. So we're having it tomorrow. And this guy's been a member of the Boy Scouts for 80 years and still can get in his uniform. Uh, No, are you serious? From 80 years ago? uh, Yes, indeed. He joined as a young man and he met Lord Baden-Powell. Huh. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Huh? That's amazing. Well, big happy birthday to him. Yep. And while we're speaking about birthdays, it's birthday season at my house as well, though these are real birthdays as opposed to yeah. last summer yeah, yeah. celebrations, now <laughs> birthdays. Um, between my daughter, my niece, and my father, they're all born within hours of each other. So we're actually celebrating my daughter's birthday today and my father's birthday tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, big birthday greetings to lots of people wow. this weekend by the sounds of it. You got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to take a little break right now and pay the bills. So, so we'll be back, Charlie and I, in just a moment for the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show here at AM740. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And Frank Proctor, to really introduce you properly, the goddess of the garden, mm-hmm. Charlie Dobbin. Yes. And the phone numbers, just quickly before we get on with anything else here, 416 for those listening in from Toronto, anywhere else in the province. It is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Barb from St. Catharines is calling in, Charlie. Yeah, good, good morning. morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. What's happening in your garden? Well, I had some unusual geraniums this past season, mm-hmm. and they were a cranberry color. So mm-hmm. we saved four, pulled them out by the root, and wondered if we could preserve them over the winter months. So at this point, did you pot them up, or did you just... Not as yet. Okay, so, and when did you pull them up? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, okay. <clears throat> you might be thinking of, of the idea of overwintering the geraniums as dormant plants, yeah. and that's possible if you have the right kind of situation for them. Mm-hmm. It's a root cellar that you need, a traditional root cellar. Mm-hmm. Something that's moist, dark, and cool mm-hmm. can keep a, a, a geranium in sort of a state of stasis. It's a, it's not dead and it's not alive. It just right. kind of hangs there. And I know that, <laughs> Frank's looking at me. I, no, that word intrigued me. Stasis. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. So it, I know some people like that. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Think of all our friends. Yes. So it's um, that's a, an option if you have the right environmental conditions. Well, but, I have a room where they could go. It's not excessively cool. Mm, how? But it's not warm either. So it's at a basement room. Yes, it is. And how cool would you say it is on average? Maybe around 60. Oh, that's not bad. Is that's that okay? not bad. Yeah, it, and is it dark? Yes, can be. There are There is a light that can go on, but we're not in there very much. 
Right. So, I mean, because we all think back and remember back, you know, 100 years ago, the way Granny kept her her geraniums. And, of course, she hung them upside down from the rafters in the root cellar, and it worked fine. What she did in the late winter is she would take those virtually dormant plants and uh, take cuttings from them after she had brought them into the light. Rather than repotting them. That's right. Because those original plants will not survive. It's the new growth that will. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? Very good. Now, what I've done is I, same as you, fell in love with a couple of geraniums in my garden. So I dug them up, potted them up, and I have them in my southern-facing, bright, sunny window as a houseplant. So I'm yes. going to keep them this winter that way. Right. Um, and again, I'll take cuttings in the spring, and all those little baby plants that I take cuttings in the spring from is what will go outside in right. the garden. Well, um, I'll try that then. All right. Thank you very Thanks much for, for your call. Advice. Thank you, Barbara, and uh, everyone here this morning in a fine fettle and (laughs) ready to deal with your problem. Or maybe you've got something that you might offer us in the way of advice, huh? That's right, exactly, because even though I like to think of myself as the goddess of the garden, (laughs) there are a few things I don't actually have total knowledge on. So I'm always happy to hear other people's suggestions and advice. And and like we've said, you know, there's always more than one way to solve a problem. So if you've got suggestions, I'd love to hear them, which actually just reminds me quickly. Remember last week I mentioned that I wanted to bring an orchid person onto the show yeah. mm-hmm. who could just give you know th- their perspective on some of the details about growing orchids. Mm-hmm. So I was in touch with a, a woman who's quite an expert, um, though she would consider herself strictly a hobbyist. She's got a lot of experience with orchids. Her name is Barbara Lee, and she is going to come on the show after Christmas. Oh, wonderful. So January the 16th, yeah. write it on your calendars. If you're interested in orchids, that's definitely the show to, to be listening to or phone in and if you have any questions, Barbara's going to sort of keep everybody in line on that one. There you go. All okay, right. terrific. Well, we're uh, going around the countryside uh, this morning. Uh, this time it's off to Thornhill. Hello there, Cheryl. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Great. Morning. You two sound like you're still having great fun. Yes, we are. <laughs> That's true. Don't know I how. Frank isn't falling off his chair this morning. <laughs> Not yet. It was one other time. Yeah. <laughs> I have a quick question about bulbs. Mm-hmm. This year I kind of went nuts. I got on a roll and I started buying some and I bought tulips for early spring, mid-spring, late mm. spring. I thought I could try to get color all year round. Nice. Well, because I can only put them in on the weekend because it's the only time I'm really home when it's daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've still got... 24 um, crocus and about 12 tulips that I haven't put in. Mm-hmm. With it being so mild, can I still put them in? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Yep, yep. You can continue to plant those bulbs right up until the ground freezes. Okay, great. So That's all I needed to Definitely know. do it, but get them in as deep as you can, particularly those crocus bulbs. They're so tiny, we have a tendency to want to just kind of pop them down an inch or two. But try yeah, and that's what, that's what it says on the package. Too. Of course, but the squirrels are watching you. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I put a layer of chicken wire right over oh, the good, okay. soil, then more chicken good. wire and more soil. Okay, so. good. Because I was going to say they have scouts, right? They're I wa- know. They watch, and crocuses are one of their favorites. And of I course, know. if they're shallowly planted, they'll be right in there ten minutes after you've planted. Okay, so terrific. good for you. All right. Good luck with that. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you very much. I was just thinking of, you know, what we mentioned going around the countryside. Mm -hmm. Folks from the States listen in, Mm -hmm. but the call-in would be quite expensive. However, if you get a hold of Charlie through the email, Mm -hmm. it won't cost you anything. Just um, send a little email to cdobbin, that's C-D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. Okay, enough said on that one. Let's uh, skip along here to our third caller of the morning, and that is Eva. Hello, Eva. 
Hello, how are you? Fine, thank you. Wonderful. How are you, Eva? Oh, I'm okay, except I'm very confused. I have a Diefenbacher, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I have it for years and years and years, and I cut it back quite a few times because it started growing so high, mm-hmm. and the branches are empty, you know? It's mm-hmm. always coming out on the end, mm-hmm. the leaves. Mm-hmm. And now I bought one of those little bulbs, glass bulbs, where you can put water in it and then you can stick it in the pan and, and then it waters it. Right. And since then, my leaves are falling off one by one. Mm. Okay, so two questions really there. One is the, the Diefenbachia that's big and old, and you've been trying to control it and make it look like a nice plant, which, which you're right, is a bit tricky because they get tall and they hit the roof and they're, they're hard to keep looking that's good. Right. <laughs> uh, number two question is that glass globe gizmo, which is designed as a watering tool, uh, particularly for people if you're going away for a week or two. You, and I've never used one of these, but I've certainly seen them in the stores a lot. You yeah. fill up the, the glass globe with water and it's supposed to slowly percolate down through the glass tube at the base into the soil. The problem is it sounds like it's keeping the soil too wet for you. No, it's it's actually not. It it doesn't seem to me working except in my uh, my uh, spider plant, you know, mm. that the only one is surviving the those globes. Hmm. Any other plant is just not surviving it. I have to water it beside the globe. Oh, okay. And and that plant is dying since I put that globe in there and because I went away for three weeks. Mm. And that was your incentive? And then I came back, all the leaves were just shivering, you know, and then they're falling off one by one. Okay, so just a bit hard to truly diagnose over the radio, but leaves drop from plants for both the extremes. One extreme being too much water, another extreme being not enough water. So either end of the spectrum there tends to be leaf drop. So that's why it's a bit hard to know for sure. And, and I don't have actual personal experience with any of those globes to, to know whether they're truly what, you know, they work the way they're supposed to. Right. My impulse at this point would be to say you're home now. If you're not going away, right. pull that globe out, uh, stick your finger in the soil, see what the status of the, the moisture level is like in the soil of the Diefenbachia. They don't want to be kept constantly moist. They do want to be thoroughly watered, and then they want to dry down between waterings. I see, so, because I pulled out the globe right away okay. when I came home, and I saw that the leaves are just shivering, and mm-hmm. then they started to falling off. Mm-hmm. And I started to water it, so I don't know. Because I see on the end very little leaves, new leaves going to come in out, mm-hmm. but the rest of the, the, the branches are blank, you yeah. know. It just looks not nice. <laughs> no, it's true. It, it is a bit tricky to keep Diefenbachia looking good. One of the tr- best ways, actually, is where that new growth, where you're starting to see that fresh little green tip starting. Right. Allow those, you know, put up with this funny-looking plant for the winter and allow those new little tips to grow. Come February, March, that's the time when you can actually sever off some of that new growth, uh, you know, chunks of it, stems with the new growth on the tips, and then repot, start new plants with the new growth as your new plants. Those new tips, you know, four inches, six inches long, will root 
and go into small pots and you'll start again. So I don't need to root it before I'm going to put it in a pot, just put the, the stick in the, the soil? Well, using a rooting hormone will help expedite and speed up the rooting. Also, waiting until spring is the best time to right. do it. You know, February, right. like I say, February, March. Um, what I do whenever I've done rooting of Diefenbachia, because it's kind, it's a, what we consider a cane plant, and it's got, like you're saying, it's almost like a stick. It's not yeah. a, a soft cutting like a piece of coleus might be. It's actually quite a, a chunk, almost a woody thing. Right. What I do with that is uh, when I cut it off, I actually let it just sit and I dry the end for out, it just in the air, lay that cutting on the on the windowsill for 24 hours, 48 hours, because it, it's very easy for them to rot. If you go straight into soil, mm-hmm. they can they can just turn to mush very quickly. So you want to oh, dry down that cut end, then just do a quick dip into water, dip into a rooting hormone, and straight into soil, making sure you've got some of those stripes on the on the stem under the soil, because that's where the roots will come from, is where those little stripes are. Okay, uh, and then the, the main root, mm-hmm. I can just uh, cut it back all together, or I can just throw it out? Either. Cutting it right back, sometimes that'll cause new growth to come, and you'll have a whole new plant come up nice and bushy and compact from the base. Right. Or say hello to the composter with the whole mess and, and get it out of your house and start fresh with some new little babies. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Great Good luck question. with that, Eva. Yeah, a big question, a bit of a hard one to explain on the radio, like when yeah, my yeah. arms are going. You should see it. It's like a windmill, for gosh sakes. Honestly, <laughs> Pete. Well, here comes caller number four from Oakville. Wait. Hello, for, oh, wait. Oh. We will, Fran. We'll get to you. <laughs> we've we've gone past our deadline for our commercial co- content here. So uh, Grace was waving madly. Yes. Don't, no, no, no. Okay, we'll come back and deal with Fran's problem in a moment. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations, and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> oh, I wish that only once or twice I, I wish this were TV. Just at the moment when, <laughs> with Charlie Dobbin, Charlie dropped her pencil. I reached for it. She, we almost banged heads. And uh, now we're back on track now. Really, we are. Yeah, we're in front of our mics again <laughs> okay. after scrambling. Exactly. And Fran in Oakville, you are next online. Hi, how are you this morning? Oh, hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Morning, Fran. Good morning. Uh, my question is, mm-hmm. I have a Phalaenopsis orchid that I keep uh, on a plant light in the basement, mm-hmm. but um, I haven't been able to get it to rebloom. There's lots of new roots coming out, and mm. the leaves are really nice and, you know, healthy. Good. But what should I do? How long have you had that plant? Uh, hmm, over a year. Good. Okay, and so it's doing well, and it was obviously blooming when you got it. Right. And so that's the question: is it, it had all the gorgeous blooms? They finished, and now it's sitting there as a green plant. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I can tell you about Phalaenopsis, and and certainly what you have, the kind of orchid you have, is probably the most common orchid right. out there uh, in on people's window ledges and mm-hmm. and kitchen counters and that sort of thing. Uh, commonly known as as a moth orchid, right. because when it's flowering, the flowers look a little bit like moths. Mm-hmm. It is a flat-faced flower that can be as much as two inches across. Often, numerous blooms are born on arching stems. So, I mean, it's a, it's got you know it's lovely when in bloom. Uh, now, what it requires: steady temperature, so steady as in steady room temperature, uh, and high humidity. 
Yeah. So it's going to be a very happy plant if it gets those things. Mm-hmm. What's the temperature? Well, um, in general, uh, daytime temperatures of about 70 degrees. Oh. And uh, it could be slightly cooler at night. It can go right down, you know, even to 60 degrees at night is okay, but no cooler. Orchids don't like it too cool. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, the good light that you're providing is coming from the... Uh, um, plant light. You mentioned yeah. you have a plant light. Yeah. Uh, they need certainly 10 to 15 hours of light every day. Mm-hmm. So I hope you're, you're using your light for that kind of time frame. Yeah. Um, now, you do keep them moist, but you reduce watering in the winter. So a little less water in the winter, just like all our plants. They, they tend to slow down a little bit and, and become slightly dormant. And that's why if they aren't popping out a lot of blooms right now, we're not surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, so water less? Like, yes, you know. water slightly less. And it's always a bit tricky to know how much to water an orchid because you can't really stick your finger in the soil. Right, but get used to the weight of the pot. Feel uh-huh. the, you know, the weight, pick it up, see how much it weighs. You'll know by, mm-hmm. by the weight how moist it is. Uh-huh. And mist, mist, mist. You know, get the little mister out a uh-huh. couple times a day if you can. Keep that humidity as high as you can. Uh-huh. Don't worry about doing any repotting or anything like that. The, the roots growing outside the pot is fine. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting lots of nice green growth, leave it alone and um, just remember, Remember when you are watering, it's tepid or room temperature water that we use. Yeah. Preferably water that's been sitting out overnight. Some of the chlorine will disappear that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and f- the feeding of orchids typically happens during the summer months. So what I would do is I would just love it for this winter. And as soon as the um, we start to get that, you know, elongated days, mm-hmm. usually we start seeing things happening in February in our house plants and our gardens, uh, is the time to start thinking about fertilizer. Mm-hmm. But if you can... Uh, be able, you know, if you can mark it on your calendar, Saturday, January 16th, I will have a a person in here who is somewhat of an orchid expert, and she's going to be the one who's going to be able to answer some of those tricky questions. I know she mentioned she's got many, many orchids, and some of them have been blooming for years, nonstop. Mm -hmm. So she's got some kind of secrets going on there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure what they are, but maybe she'll share some of them with yeah, us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Thank you so much. All right. You're very Thank welcome. You, Thank you. Have a good one. You too. You bet. Bye-bye now. Okay. Uh, here at the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740, my name's Frank, and I am the sous chef of the garden. The real chef sits beside me, and she's all ready to answer the next question in from Dorothy in Simcoe. Hi, Dorothy. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello. How are you? Great. Great. How are you? Good. I can't hear you very well. How's that? Is that better? A little. Tell you what, Dorothy, ask your question. Yes. And then hang up the phone. Yes. And turn the radio up and I'll answer it and you'll be able to hear better. I've got the radio off right now. That's as you should. But if you hang up the phone, you'll be able to turn the radio right up and hear clearly the answer. Oh, I see. Okay. Hang up the phone now. No, no. Ask your question first. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, I have a double file viburnum. Yes. Uh, I planted it oh, 10, 12 years ago, and it's quite big right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bear, no uh, leaves on it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but last spring, summer, uh, it bloomed, mm-hmm. but there was one patch that stayed green. Mm. And I wondered what I could do to kind of give it a boost. Hmm. All right. Good question. If, and like I said, if it's going to be better for you to hear the answer, 
I would suggest you hang, you know, say bye-bye and thank you for your question <laughs> and crank your radio up and then I'll be able to answer okay, that for you. Okay, I'll do that. All right. Thank well, you. Thanks, do, Dorothy. Charlie, just to give her time to get sure. to the uh, radio there, I'm going to just read the phone numbers again. Sure. Okay? Yeah, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show, you can reach us at one 866 740 4740, toll free. Okay, back to uh, our uh, guest. Dorothy's question. Who's, yes, just gone to race to turn on that radio. <laughs> now, Dorothy has one of my favorite all time plants double file viburnum. Actually, I love viburnums in general. They are a shrub, flowering shrub. They're native to North America, many of them to our, our neck of the woods. So they tend to be very good plants in our gardens. Um, typically, all of them have amazing flowers. Some are fragrant. Some are just very showy. Um, then they produce berries after the flowers. And then most of them will also give pretty nice fall color. Mm-hmm. So the green leaves will turn shades of burgundy and red before they drop off when they become dormant for the winter. Double file viburnum grows with horizontal branching and it has flowers right on the, the upper surface of its branches and it's very ornamental um, and it's very, very pretty. Dorothy's problem, she said, was that one section is green and the rest was all flowering and it looked a bit odd because they will flower, you know, they're very, very ornamental when they're blooming. Actually, it's a really good question. And I don't actually have a, have a definitive answer. I would think that the reason it didn't bloom on one section would be because light levels, perhaps, for example, the, the shrub is in a situation in the yard where it's facing, say, on a north-south axis. So lots of light is hitting the south side, but not so much on the north side. And it's in that lower light area where less flowers formed. That could be a reason. The other reason could be something as crazy as um, wind, cold winter wind, causing uh, frost and some freezing and death of flower buds. Uh, Late spring frost can sometimes do that because uh, viburnums typically flower fairly early in the spring. So they're forming their flower buds either in the fall or early spring. You get a late frost and you can lose flower buds at a time like that. How can you help? How can you help avoid that? Is there any way of... No. No, it's just like it's like one year these things happen. It happens to the apple growers all the time, or particularly the the yeah. peach growers. If there's a late spring frost, the flowers get frosted off. They don't get fruit that year, oh, or they get lot less fruit. Yeah. So it could have been something like that. And you know, this has been such a funny fall with all the mild temperatures we've been having, mm-hmm. and extended mild temperatures, and you know, rain and sunshine and double digits even in the evening. Some of the plants are a little confused. Uh, I had a neighbor call me last night and say. One of her viburnums, so similar yeah. um, genus, different species, is blooming right now and shouldn't be blooming till next May, but has popped some, some flower buds open because she was walking through a garden and suddenly smelled something called a fragrant viburnum. It was like, oh, my gosh, they don't bloom in November. What's going on? So that it happens. You know, we get these funny extended falls, and then we get um, either late or early springs, but then a, a snap, a cold snap, after the plants have woken up can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. 
for the purposes, for Dorothy's purposes, I wouldn't worry about it. I would just say, okay, that was that year. Let's see what happens this next spring. Uh, do call us again if that same thing happens, and I'll see if I can come up with a better solution. But I, I think it's probably that. It's just a one-time shot deal based on some weather conditions last spring. All right? Thanks so much for your call, though, and thanks for talking about that plant because I love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we've got time for a, a couple more calls here before we have to go bye-bye for a minute or two. Uh, I believe it's Carol and Ton, uh, Don Mills, who's uh, next online here. No, nope. sorry about that. Maureen in Beamsville. There you go. Hi, Maureen. Oh, good morning, both of you. Morning. Sorry. Okay, Charlie. My question is, I have a lovely rosemary bush mm-hmm. that I planted from a tiny little thing mm-hmm. in the spring. And can I have it survive through the winter out in the garden? Probably not. Oh. It's... No. um. Rosemary is considered a tender perennial, but really heavy, heavy emphasis on the word tender. Mm -hmm. It really depends what kind of winter we have. I mean, if you really, okay, tell me where it's planted. Is is it in a southern location, very protected from the wind by any chance? uh, Well, not where where we are, it's pretty windy everywhere, Mm. but it is actually it's north of the house, but it's about 35, 40 feet north of the house so it does get the sun it gets the sun in the morning and afternoon and evening because it's way back right um now but wind wind the west you see the thing with rosemary is that it is if it's going to survive it has to survive as an evergreen and it's that wind that's going to desiccate and and just kill it now to try and help it survive you have two options one is you could dig it up and pot it and bring it in. Mm-hmm. A little bit tricky to do that. They have a tendency to kind of drop all their, their leaves when okay. you do that, but, you know, it can be done. Mm-hmm. The other thing you could try is build a little hut for it. And by that, I mean four stakes in the ground yes. around the plant right. in the shape of a square. Right. Then you wrap with burlap, burlap. Or, yeah, or okay. so, you know, an old cotton sheet okay. around those four stakes. Mm-hmm. And so this whole structure might be 18 inches, two feet tall. Mm-hmm. And so now it's all wrapped. Do not close the top, though. Just wrap the four sides. Yes. Then get some nice leaves or... Um, leaves would actually be your best thing and just fill that little container you've made up with leaves oh. actually water first make sure the ground is nice and moist yeah. then just pack leaves in all around inside that little structure that you've made okay and the plant is more likely to survive because of that insulation that you've provided right. as long as we don't get see it'll come down to what kind of winter we have right like last year was great you know we had a foot of snow and we kind of kept uh, snow cover through most of the winter mm-hmm. And the snow insulates the plants and helps them survive. Right. Uh, Now, the roots won't be affected at all by the cold. I mean, it's... They will, but if there's lots of snow on the ground, then, uh, yeah. again, that's an insulating property, keeping right. the roots slightly, you know, less cold. Right. So, so that's why that structure will help as well, because all those leaves will trap air, and the air will create insulation not only around the plant, but around the crown. The crown is where the stem and the roots come together. Right. So how close should my stakes be to the plant itself? They should, it? they, they should not touch it. Not they touch should it. just be outside. Just, uh, just away yeah, from yeah. it then. Okay. Oh, I'm going to try that. Then. Yeah, try yeah. it, because I've never had um, rosemary survive in my garden. I've, I've tried kind of just hilling and the way we do our roses and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, leaves, but I've never actually struck, put any kind of a structure around it. But I've certainly had, you know, parsley come back and all kinds of things yes. come back. Last year, we had great root survival on quite a number of plants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you never know. It's worth a try. Right. Well, I did years ago, you know, sometimes they sell the, the plants at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. The little and trees. someone did give me one, and, and it survived all winter in the house, mm-hmm. and I did plant it in the garden, mm-hmm. in the pot, yep. 
and it actually survived two years. Yeah, exactly. Well, good for you. So that's, again, depending on the on the winter itself, I guess. That's right. No, yeah. Well, that's right. So if it's a if it's a reasonably mild winter with lots of snow, we right. have good survival. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to try that. Thanks, Maureen. <laughs> Thank you. Let very us much. know. Thanks. Right. Thank thanks you. for Bye. the call. Uh, and one of our guys here at the station who is not a gardener in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. Joel. You know, Joel. Mm-hmm. I know Joel. Our tech guy, right? Yep, yep. He listens every week, and he says it's amazing. Yeah, I learned so much. I I know he would have liked that little hut. Business. The hut, yeah, he'd be out there building that. Oh, yeah. eh? yeah, he, That's right he's up the his kind alley. Of guy to be putting that together in no time. I know, and it'd probably be built to last forever. <laughs> That's right. Okay, <laughs> we have to come back in just a couple of moments after a little bit of a commercial break here for the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show at AM 740 Toronto. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And once again, good morning on behalf of Grace, our producer, Charlie Dobbin, the um, goddess of the garden, might I say? <laughs> Diva of dirt, I still think of her merely. And merely, I'm Frank, yes. yes. I'm Frank Proctor, and we're going to say hi the to... The sous chef. The sous chef, yes. yes. Carol in Don Mills, how are you today? Hi, Carol. Oh, hi. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Grace, what's going on at your place? Uh, it's okay. I have a very quick, basic question to mm-hmm. ask you. Um... My son gave me uh, an orchid uh, last month, um, mm-hmm. October. It's in a plastic pot, a small mm-hmm. plastic pot. Should I um, change that uh, for something else now? Yes. Uh, what kind of thing? Though not necessarily now, um, because... It's never the best time to repot anything in th- at this time of year. No. If you can wait, I would try and wait till late winter, so a couple more months. Okay. When it, when you do get, you know, that kind of everybody's waking up, you know, the birds are singing, the buds are swelling going on outside, then is the time to be thinking about repotting any of our house plants and Orchids are much happier in clay pots or terracotta pots. Okay. Plastic is never a first choice. Right. When you take it out of the pot, you will find it's probably got like styrofoam or some kind of wacko materials in there. Yeah, I can see it through the pot actually or something there. Yeah, because that's often what they use as a substrate for the little orchid to to hold on to. Right. Uh, What you'll do is you'll need to purchase something called orchid bark. Orchid. Bark. Bark. Okay. And so it's typically bark from fir trees, or it's sometimes a mix of, of fir bark and other barks. But the bottom line is is that it provides a much better substrate for right. the orchid roots to, to grow, you know, hold on to and get a certain amount of moisture from. Right. But I, I wouldn't do anything with it right now. I would no. just leave it leave it be for now, uh, like I say, till maybe February. And then, um, and if it's of, of any use to you and you're interested in the internet, there is a wonderful society called the Southern Ontario Orchid Society. So S. O-O-S. Okay. And I don't know their actual website, but if you Google Southern Ontario Orchid Society, I know they're, they're, it's S-O-O-S dot something is right. their website. And they've got great information on there as well. Okay. Okay. That's so I should buy a slightly larger pot then? Just slightly larger. It's probably in about a four-inch square pot right now. Yes, it is. So you'll go to a five-inch round terracotta pot. Five-inch round. Yeah. Thanks very much, Charlie. You're very welcome. Okay, have a Thanks. good day. Thanks. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye, Carol. Thanks for calling in to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. And, pardon me, oh, dot C-A <laughs> was, oh. Is, so it's www.sous.ca. 
I was That's getting a southern weird Ontario voice in my, in my orchid earphone society. there, and it turned out to be the producer. I thought it was God for a minute there. <laughs> no, it's that's just Moses. grace. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We're going to uh, have a chat here now with uh, Pat from Grafton. Hello, Pat. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I have a question regarding soil. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have quite a large f- uh, flower bed at the front of my house, and it's covered in moss. Okay, and the front of your house probably faces north? Uh, no, it's facing west, actually. I've, I've had it on the north end of the house, mm-hmm. but it, it, just like in the grass. But just since the fall and the, the damp kind of mm-hmm. off and on kind of fall, winter we've had, mm-hmm. and I find that the whole bed is, is, being, is covered in moss. Green My question moss. is, do I do something now or do I do it in the spring? When we get moss growing in our soil, it's because of a couple of things. One is the light levels are low, the moisture levels are high, and even the pH sometimes is a little bit on the acidic side or a little bit low. And those are the conditions that moss thrives in. So to get rid of moss, you have to change those conditions. If it's, you mentioned it's west, well, typically west is fairly bright and sunny. Perhaps you have some trees or something that is causing dank air and and shady conditions. It might mean a little bit of um, opening up the canopy of trees or raising the canopy just to get a little more light in there and a little more air. Uh, I would do a very simple soil test to ensure that the pH of the soil is what you want it to be, which is very close to neutral. Seven 6.8, so just slightly below neutral. Anything less than that, uh, we're getting into acidic conditions, and then you would be adding some horticultural lime to your soil to try and raise that pH a bit and make it unfavorable conditions for the moss to grow. Can't do much about the rain. When it rains every day, it's just <laughs> moist. Uh, in the spring, though, sun comes out. You, we start getting all that you know, lovely wind, that drying air that happens uh, as the snow is melting, and we get those great days in spring. I would get out there and turn the soil, you know, open it up, break that crusty, mossy uh, surface up. And by breaking it up, you're going to, you know, like I say, get that sun and that air in there and change up the conditions a bit so that the moss will not continue to grow and thrive. Uh, and if necessary, like I said, a, a soil test, is always your best bet if anything odd is happening in your soil. Testing with just a home test kit or going the next step and sampling and sending your soil in for a test. Uh, University of Guelph uh, has a, um, the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food has a soil testing lab in Guelph. Uh, So that's another option as well. Okay. All righty. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And Merry Christmas. Thank oh, you very much, and to you. Nice. Thank you. Uh, same. It's is true. It's not very, very, very many days. Oh, oh. Hey, next. Uh, what is it? Next Tuesday is uh, first day of December. Isn't I know. It? Have you yeah. done oh. your shopping yet? No. No. <laughs> no. And I'm, you kidding? I'm getting petrified now. Uh, <laughs> no, gee. I'm making notes it's though. I'm making notes. Scary. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything, does it? So <laughs> that's your list for Santa. You're just that's hoping <laughs> Santa's going to bring you that stuff. That's no, no, no. It's the, it's oh, others. The other way yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking. Me, me, me. I know. Uh, Ennis from Scarborough. Hello there, and welcome to the show. Hi, Ennis. Hello. Hello. Good morning. I can hardly hear you. All right. Well, you go ahead and ask your question, and then we'll... I have daylilies. Yes. Quite a few. Mm -hmm. Some of them do very well, but some, like the center, you know, it turns sort of brownish, and Mm -hmm. you pull on the leaf, and it's kind of mushy. Mm -hmm. Now, what causes that, and what can I do? Well, it's overcrowding. 
the it, when the daylilies are first planted, they're nice and green and vigorous. Yeah. But as they get older, what you find is the center of the clump starts to get all brown and, and yeah. dead. Yeah. And all your nice green fresh growth is on the outside of the clump. So every three or four years, okay. you need to go into your daylily bed with a nice garden fork. Mm-hmm. And you need to lift those lilies right up out of the ground mm-hmm. yeah. with a sharp shovel or a sharp yeah. knife. I know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to yeah. sever off the the nice live bits and mm-hmm. compost the rest. So they replant them again. That's right, right exactly. So what you're going to do is dig and divide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what's going so on. No, no chemicals of any kind or soap or whatever. No, no, no. What's happening is very natural and normal. It's not mm-hmm. an infestation of any kind. It's mm-hmm. just part of the ongoing sort of things that gardens need. And I know daylilies are an easy perennial and we oh, say to yes. people, oh, there's not a lower maintenance plant and out they there. they green. That's right. And they're, they're yeah. lovely. They, they add a nice soft <clears throat> look to the garden. But all plants do need some maintenance. So yeah. every three to four years, you got to dig and divide. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you're always talking about orchids lately. Yes. Now, I've grown them too. I've had 45, 50 blooms on them. Wow. <laughs> okay, so what's... And I don't miss them. <laughs> okay, so what's your secret then? What do you do? I don't know. I think it's the location. It's northeast window, mm-hmm. big window. Mm-hmm. And they love it there. So year-round, same window. And they are on pebbles. They're on, oh, on pebbles. So yeah. you've got water below. Oh, yeah. There's always water. Yeah. So that's why you don't need to yeah. mist. You've yeah. got, got that constant but humidity. Every now and then I miss them, you know, oh, but okay. now they're starting to flower already. What about fertilizer? Do you fertilize them? Yes, in the fall. I have orchid fertilizer. But only in the fall you fertilize. Yeah. Well, that's what it says on that bottle there. <laughs> okay. And do you, how often do you fertilize? Oh, Whenever I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me, one yeah. of those gardeners. Good one. I like that. <laughs> All right. So this is good okay. information. Okay. Well, thank you yeah, so much I for that. i listening on the 16th. Okay, good. Thanks, Thanks. so much, Ines. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, I certainly hope that, um, okay, Fran, who called earlier mm-hmm. from Oakville, caught that little bit from Ines that, um, yeah, on pebbles, mm-hmm. of course, water in the pebbles, plant sits on, you know, pot sits up high, not in the water, lots of good humidity, mist when you think about it, fertilize <laughs> when you think about it, but fertilize with a specific Orchid fertilizer. Exactement. All right. And we're going to be back to talk to Barry from Hamilton in just a moment. Here are the Charlie Dobbin Show on AM 740 Toronto. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Hello once again and good morning and welcome along to this Saturday, November 28th edition of the Charlie Dobbin Show. And Barry in Hamilton, what's on your mind this morning? Uh, I wanted to know, why do we pick up leaves off the lawn? Why can't we leave them there for the winter? Because the, if they're well, big leaves, leaves like maple leaves, uh, will suffocate the lawn. They'll get flattened by the snow and the rain, and they're so large that they, as they flatten down onto the grass, the grass plants beneath f- will just suffocate from lack of air and lack of light. Okay. However, if you have, like I have, uh, one of the trees on my front lawn is a honey locust. Uh-huh. Honey locusts are famous for those little tiny leaves, and those you don't need to worry about. They, they're tiny. They just fall, and you can't rake them up even if you tried. So, <laughs> okay. But the big leaves you should remove. It's for the health of the lawn below. What about taking the lawn mowers mm-hmm. and make mulch out of it? That's is right. That, uh... If you have a mulching mower, just run, run mow, the mower over, and that will chop up the leaves, let them drop back down, and they will percolate in between the 
grass blades and beautifully decompose and feed your lawn. Oh, okay. So that's... So is there any such uh, machine that can remove leaves? <laughs> you know what? The, the, I've, everybody in my neighborhood, I live in a particularly nerdy part of town <laughs> where people are so pristine clean. <laughs> they drive me nuts. <laughs> but everybody has a, what's a leaf blower or oh, it's a leaf sucker. It can do either. You can blow your leaves onto your neighbor or you can suck the leaves up into the bag. And they do it. They, these guys pick up every leaf. Of course, I take all the leaves, put them all in my garden, and then they all blow back on everybody's lawn. And then they pick them up again. And <laughs> right. we have a cycle of leaves going on because of me. <laughs> but okay. that, the, the, that machine does suck them up. It's a, one of those sucker blower machines. Yeah, um, right. And on my lawnmower, I put the bag on. So when I'm mowing, I will pick up leaves in the bag same thing and then just dump them in the garden I when there's see. lots out there okay right. i appreciate it very much Thank my you. pleasure thanks for calling barry Thank good you, barry. question and i hope barry if he goes out and purchases one of these leaf blowing Don't. machines <laughs> well we had a, a, a former neighbor who shall go unnamed but he used to uh, raise the ire of everybody on the street because you get this blower out and his lawn would be absolutely clear of everything oh, he'd blow on, he'd blow on to our lawn oh. and the neighbor's lawn and you know yeah that's right so that thinking you know well really. that's why you don't want just a blower you want to yeah. su- you want to blow it all into a pile and then you suck it up get it up there um, yeah. but it was so cute the last time i was out there because every weekend there it was you know pick up more leaves <laughs> so the last time i was out there one of my neighbors said do you want to borrow my blower and i because i'm out there with my rake right yeah, yeah. and i said no 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 i'm fine she goes it's way faster and i went yeah but it's way louder <laughs> i can't stand the noise <laughs> i'd rather just do it at my pace nice and quiet rather than she goes but we'll just wear your ipod i went no, no. <laughs> i'm not doing that i'll just i'm happy with my rake thank you <laughs> oh man too much fun uh, charlie what once again, a uh, delight to share uh, certainly the first part of my day yeah. here at the station with you. It's always a, a grand time. More people than enough stop me when I'm out and around and think, you know, what's Charlie really like? It's just the way she sounds. She, nuts. nuts. You know? Well, yeah. thanks for that. <laughs> well, in a nice way. Okay, good. Okay. The same for me. And well, we do have fun. Yeah. We definitely have fun. And I totally appreciate all your, your laughter and smiles and, and energy because it certainly does make the show work a lot better having yeah, you sure here. If I was here all by myself, it would be a bit lonely. And Grace is so far away there through the glass. You know, she's just a lot of hand signals. But we love her. <laughs> for all, all her hard work, too. She's not exactly a tall person, and uh, <laughs> she's hidden behind monitors. I can only see parts of her head. It's really... <laughs> it's a nice way of saying she's really short. Yes. Uh, oh, well, look at who's talking. <laughs> the pot yeah. and the kettle. Exactly. Nah, you got it. Calling each other. Well, until next week, my friend. Well, tell me, your show's coming up. You've got uh, lots of good stuff going oh, on. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be talking a little later on in the day to a young guy, I think he's 10, who, ten years old. Ten years old, yeah. Uh-huh. Who has become a business entrepreneur. He wanted to raise some money for uh, a certain game that he wanted to buy. It was pretty expensive, though, this thing. So he has organized a carnival in his neighborhood in his at his house. Uh-huh. And he's got all the kids in the neighborhood involved. They've, they've made up posters, and they've they had business meetings. He wears a business suit to the meeting. So I'm going to talk <laughs> to him. A ten-year-old in a three-piece on, suit. On behalf of all the other kids out there who are entrepreneurial, yes. this little guy has really done a number. So we'll see how oh. things Oh, good. We'll have fun with that. And thank you so much again, Frank and Grace, and to all our wonderful callers. See you all next week. Take care. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.